Welcome to the Creation Grounds Podcast, where we break down the success, habits, and the life of people in creative fields, discover how they've gotten to where they are, what they aspire to be, and how you can live your dreams too. Let's get to the show. What's going on, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Creation Grounds. I have a good friend of mine, UConn alum, Husky, writer extraordinaire in the building. (laughs) His name is Desmond Thorne. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for joining us. Of course, of course. I'm excited. So the first question I have for you is, what was it like growing up for you? Um, It was cool. I actually think about this a lot. It was very, um, I grew up in a very diverse environment, which was really important. Um... We actually had a uh, group called Saturday School that was run by a few parents in the neighborhood, black parents in the neighborhood, and it was basically uh, one Saturday every month where they would gather their kids, including me and some of my friends, and uh, we would learn about Africa, the civil rights movement. Every month would have like a different uh, subject to be at someone else's house, so I was very grounded in uh, where we came from, my history, um, which is really dope, and I didn't really realize that not everybody got that. I didn't realize how special that was until I grew up. Um, But that was a very big part of my, uh, like, elementary school childhood, was actually learning about the civil rights movement, and, you know. um, And the community itself was very diverse. There was uh, lots of black people, white people, Asians, Latinos. So I really got to know about uh, lots of different cultures uh, when I was growing up. Uh, I actually at one point wanted to be Jewish. I told my mom I wanted to be Jewish. (laughs) Because uh, one of my good friends and a lot of my good friends were Jewish and uh, kept a lot of traditions and such. And... um, I found out about Hanukkah and how dope it was that they got like eight presents and there was potato latkes and stuff. So I told my mom, I was like, yo, mom, can I be Jewish? <laughs> she had just for Hanukkah. But uh, yeah, just for Hanukkah, basically. Um, but yeah, it was very cool, very diverse. Um, my parents are on the older side when they had me, so I also was very engrossed in the music and culture of the 70s and 80s which was really cool mm-hmm. um and the 60s too my parents were born in the 50s and my dad was really into music so there was always music on we had a lot of um vinyls and stuff and they're both in the movies so they had a lot of really good movies that we watched as kids um especially a lot of emphasis on black movies. So we were just always so aware of black artists from a very young age. Um, yeah, it was fun. That's, that's dope. <laughs> Sounds like a great childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Did you want to become an actor from basically watching your parents watch movies or where did that interest come from? Yeah, I think that's where it came from. Um, yeah, I can remember watching movies with kids in them, like Home Alone and The Parent Trap and Casper, oh, being boy. like, yo, kids do this? Yeah. I want to do this. So as a kid, I always asked my mom to go to those um, those agent seminars and stuff, and I asked her to enroll me in acting class, which she did, um, because, yeah, it was always something I gravitated towards. I thought it was really cool that you could uh, be someone else. Um, and be in the movies and be in TV and stuff. Um, so yeah, as a kid, I enrolled into acting classes and, uh, 
that really became what I wanted to do very early, very, very early. And when did sketch comedy come into your life? Uh, I want to say uh, probably in high school. Um, I didn't start doing it in high school, but that was around the time that I started to really get into like SNL and Mad TV and Chappelle show. Oh my God, Chappelle, Chappelle show. show. Oh, man, he's everything. Back. Yeah, he's back, man. He's at the Apollo. Yeah. Huh? I'm gonna go see him. Yeah, he's probably pricey, but yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> at this point, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's I think when I really got into it, and then in college, um, senior year of college, I was approached by a young woman who was a friend of a guy that I was seeing at the time, and um, she asked me if I wanted to write on a sketch comedy show. That would be on UCTV, which was our television station at UConn. Right. Um, that would be a sketch show focused on gender issues. Right. And that show was called Make Your Own Damn Sandwich. So <laughs> that was when I first got into writing sketches. And um, it was cool. I got to like, put uh, friends in the acting department in sketches and stuff. And um, at the same time, I was getting interested in gender issues. So it was really cool to meld both of these things that I was just starting to get interested in. Um, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I would say like when I started to see SNL and started to see that those people were like real people and had such a career trajectory and um, how much fun a job like that could be. Yeah. I think that's when I started to really, um, really, really get into sketch. Yeah. And Nerds on Fire came from that? Like how long after? Yeah. Not too long after college, actually. Um... I graduated in May 2012 and started putting Nerds on Fire together, I think in maybe November 2012, November, December 2012, and that came from actually um, a job rejection. I had been working with this theater for a long time, and um, they kind of have a, a, a a trajectory that mm -hmm. you go on in the theater and I climbed up that trajectory almost gone to the last step audition got a call back and then one day found out that I didn't get the job so I think that really um, set a fire in me to just create my own stuff like why am I waiting to get a job from someone else when I can create my own job per se right. um, and I knew a lot of funny people from UConn and from um, the people's improv theater where I was working um, and I had seen at that time uh, a lot of independent sketch groups and other sketch groups, um, and I had taken a couple improv classes. So I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to create my own thing. I'm going to do a sketch comedy team. Because um, at that point, I think I really wanted to be on SNL. And I was like, this is going to be the trajectory. I'm going <laughs> to do this. Um, so yeah, I got some people together. Um, Nerds on Fire didn't end up being exactly the group that was put together initially, mm -hmm. but the people who stayed with it were part of the original group. Um, How many are you guys? You have like six or seven, right? There were, um, in the, I think, yeah, around seven to nine of us. Um, because sometimes shows would be different depending on availability and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I would say like the core group was, I think, nine of us. Yeah. That's yeah. a good solid group. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Um, and it was good to be putting something together every month. Writing and pitching um, ideas. 
and um, getting to play a bunch of different characters. It really flexed a really cool muscle um, that we all continue to use, which was so great. And uh, tell us about your process of creating your favorite character that you've created, either sketch or on stage or on film or whatever else. You, what's your favorite character and why? I think my favorite character may be this character named Muffins Jenkins. Muffins Jenkins. Tell us yeah, about him. Yeah, yeah. It came from a few places. Uh, one was that theater I used to work at. It was a Shakespeare theater. Um, me and my friend Craig were the only two black people in the group so we would always riff off of each other and like create stuff together uh-huh. and um that's the you talking about yeah 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 okay, yeah. There. yeah yeah I've, I've you were very before. familiar yeah um and so we we were riffing off each other one day and came up with this character named muffins jenkins and then fast forward to nerds on fire I used Muffins Jenkins as a character in the sketch that me and Kelsey Baker did about these two women who are flight attendants, <laughs> and that was so much fun. And then I really, really crafted her more specifically for a solo show that I did, um, I think the summer of 2013, and I worked with this director named Dan Hodap, and mm-hmm. basically what we did is we really gave her... Um, a really cool backstory. We just really asked ourselves a lot of um, why questions. And um, the piece for the show was Muffins Jenkins was giving a book report to her class about Romeo and Juliet. And it was basically about why Romeo was just a terrible love interest and how he just (laughs) completely ruined Juliet's life because he was sad about some girl in the game of play uh-huh. and he wanted to find someone else real quick and so he <laughs> found Juliet and um, we just basically kept asking ourselves a lot of why questions crafting a backstory um, and really finding out what her philosophy was Juliet I, uh, no, no muffins, muffins. yeah 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 her philosophies, of course, were very clear in the piece, but then, like, what were her philosophies in life? Right. Um, and that really, really plays into um, pretty much all the characters that I create, um, especially for this film that we're finishing now, The Disruption. Um, really finding out, like, if this person is an intuitive person, if they are ruled by their feelings, if they're ruled by their head, some people are ruled by like their genitals, etc. Um, so kind of finding out where people's um, centers come from within themselves, and then I think it's up to the actor to figure out um, where they come in as an actor to complete that, mm-hmm. and then also like the um, the external centers where they find all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I really like to figure out. Um, where this person lives, and also, interestingly enough, what their zodiac sign is. Because a lot of times, a zodiac sign will actually be very specific to how people operate. Like Capricorns, I found that they really think they know everything. Um, that is a very strong aspect that I see in Capricorns a lot. What's your sign? Uh, which is out of Scorpio. Okay. We are always late. We hate being late, but we're always late. Uh, we're very, very uh, loyal people 
to our friends, but if you do some shit that's just not right, <laughs> you get cut off uh, very strongly. And um, I, for this film, the main character, I was like, okay, what's his zodiac sign? And that actually really helped inform a lot of his uh, behaviors. And um, when I'm creating a character also, I like to think of uh, what side of me that they represent and um, kind of what other people that they remind me of. Like there was so much of Craig mm. in Muffins Jenkins <laughs> uh, because his love of Shakespeare was really awesome and him and I would really uh, riff on how we would translate Shakespeare as like black Americans, how a Shakespeare play would go. Um, and that was just so much fun to be like, uh, you know, Richard III really is that dude. And um, Lady Anne was played, she played herself. And just, you know, go on stuff like that. Um, and that's basically how that book report ended up. Just basically thinking about how me and Craig would talk about Romeo and Juliet. Like, what would we focus on? It's dope. Yeah. What do you love most about what you do? Um, I would say that I really like seeing actors have fun and bring the characters that I write to life. Um, that's a lot of fun to see. Um, we've been, I've been watching this film a lot since we've been editing and doing sound and stuff like that. And it's just a lot of fun to see people really take off with a person that you've created. And then to see what other people think of that when they watch it, to uh, see people's reactions is also so much fun. To see what people glean from what I've written to see if that was intended by me or not. It's right. really cool for people to have a reaction that I did not even intend at all. And it's so great for someone to say something that, an aspect of something that you never thought of. Like someone had mentioned that um, they saw this film as like a satire on horror. And I had never really thought about that aspect that deeply, but they are completely correct about that. And that's so cool. That's something that I can now use mm -hmm. um, to kind of run with um, and kind of lean into, actually. Um, so it's really cool to see people's reactions, whether they're in the film or they're watching the film or the uh, play or solo show, whatever it is. Um, people's reactions are so much fun. I just really, really like it. And you, you mentioned that you come from a diverse town. Mm -hmm. um, so what about diversity on TV? What does it do for you when you find a relatable character on either stage or in movies or TV? What does that, or even yeah, writing, writing yeah. rooms, what that do, what's that do for you? Uh, it always makes me feel less alone in a lot of ways. Not that I feel like I'm a lonely person, but you do, as a human being, feel like you are one of a kind. Right. And when you see someone who is so similar to you on the screen or on stage, it really is a breath of fresh air and it feels like a release of tension to be like, oh my God, there's someone else. There really is someone else that, just, that gets it, that's just like me. 
Um, and that's so important um, for everyone to be able to see themselves, um, especially when you're younger. I think if I had seen a gay black man when I was younger in a film or television that wasn't represented as a stereotype, I would have felt so much more comfortable in my own skin a lot younger. Right. And that's so important uh, for everybody. And you don't see that very often. I think in society itself, if you are a straight white man, you are always told in various ways to love yourself and like who you are is okay. It's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with you. And that's perpetuated in film and television. Um, the heroes are often uh, straight white men. Um, there are so many. You can't count on um, the hands of people in New York City how many film and television there are uh, that star straight white men. But you can <laughs> count on probably your two hands this year how many films, or maybe even your one hand, how right. many films were led by a black woman. That's true. Like, and uh, we need more, more, more until you can't possibly count. So as many as there may be coming or more than there was last year or the year before, I just think there needs to be way more. And um, you see that this country is so divided. And it's because we really, I mean, it's not just because, but one of the reasons is because we don't know each other. Um, we are very familiar with uh, white people. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of white people who live in the middle of the country and don't know black people right. um, at all. And they never see them on TV. They don't, you know, seek them out because... Uh, number one, there aren't a lot, and number two, if they're racist, they ain't gonna watch, like, Blackish. you know, you're not gonna watch Insecure. <laughs> but if you have no choice, and there's so much of it, then, you know, some of these white people that are, I would say, less staunch racist and more of the, uh, complacent, silent type, um, would feel less ignorant um, because they would just know more about us and more about our culture through the means of television and, uh, movies. It's like, it would be so helpful if you read a book or, like, knew anything about history, but if you don't want to go that far and dig that deep, there's a movie, a television show, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I think it would help a lot of people who are in this middle place, and there's so many people like that. There's lots of people who um, are racist by association and racist by not saying anything when something happens that they see or hear. Um, and that could really be helped a lot by entertainment and um, getting some real shit out there. Like, there are some real issues discussed in shows like Dear White People, A Different World, um, Insecure, Atlanta... Um, just like real stuff and oftentimes it's funny and that's a good way to engage people is with humor um, and that's what I try to like to do like to try to do um, is to write about some real real shit but that's also funny so while you're laughing you're also like wait a second I never really thought about that oh let me think about that let me um, go down this journey and find out more about just everything, you know? Yeah. 
What's the worst piece of advice that you've been giving in the entertainment industry? Uh, anything when it comes to not being yourself in some form or fashion. Um, when it's come to changing something that's so distinctive by your personality. Um, I was asked once when I was in college if I want to be known as a gay actor. And at the time, I was not confident enough in myself. Um, so I was like, no, I don't want to be known as that. Like, I want to learn to play straight people and do stuff like that. And um, if they'd asked me that now, I would have said, yes, absolutely. Like, that would be amazing that would give a voice to so many people and hopefully inspire so many people to also get their work out there, whether it's in entertainment or what have you, to just uh, help people be themselves more. And I think as an actor, writer, director, it's so important for you to be yourself. So when anyone tells you or told me anything that uh, went against that, it was the worst advice. Um, I think it really inhibits a lot of people. I think one of the most important things as an actor on film is to honestly be yourself. Is to really strip it back and uh, really, really be yourself. Because you know the character. The character is a person. You know people. You know? Right. Um, in order to really empathize you and in order to <laughs> um, be truly relaxed and not tense on camera, it, you have to be yourself. Right. Um, and you have to be okay with being yourself. And um, I think people should give the opposite advice um, when they're talking to young students. It should really be more about leaning into who you are rather than becoming an archetype. Right. You know, which is easy to sell, sure. But do you want to be sold or do you want to be an artist? That's sure. up to you. There's a difference. <laughs> There's a difference. And I mean, to each his own. You know, some people do want to be a thing that's easy to sell, which is cool. Um, but that really has never been uh, what I wanted to do. That really felt right to me. Yeah. So when you think of the word creative, uh, who's the first person that comes to mind for you? Or somebody who's an artist? Ooh, great question. Um, definitely David Lynch. <laughs> That's interesting. David Lynch is. I just recently got into him. It's probably why it came up in my mind first. I got into David Lynch during post production of The Disruption. Um, my mom and I, I was at her place for Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. and we were looking for something to watch, and she suggested that we watch this show that um, she used to watch when she was pregnant with me, and that show was Twin Peaks. And I never watched the show, but I always wanted to get into it because I heard a lot of really cool things, and that's really weird and shit. Um, so I really got into him and basically watched all of his movies at some point, especially once I got back from L.A. I went to L.A. to work on a pilot in January, and then when I got back, I, just watched a lot, I finished Twin Peaks, and I watched a lot of his movies. And I think what's so creative is that they are so much of an idea translated and then translated and then translated like Eraserhead a lot of that movie is about his fear of being a father to a young child and then when you see the movie you're just like 
wow, the fact that he jumped from point A to point Z right. is so cool. The sound design of his movies are very, very cool. All of his movies are very weird, probably except for the first one that I saw, um, which was The Elephant Man. That was the only movie of his that I saw um, before um, I watched Shoot Peaks. Um, and they're just so creative from a sound standpoint, um, from a scripting standpoint, and they're just so offbeat. Um, it just really gave me a lot of courage to go balls to the wall with our post-production, um, uh, with our post-production and disruption, um, especially when it came to sound. Um, did a lot of really cool sound design stuff with that, and, um... I'm loving the return of Twin Peaks. It's very different. He could have very easily done like 18 episodes of Twin Peaks again, but what he did was essentially you're watching an 18-hour movie. Every week you're seeing a new piece of this film kind of unfold. Mm -hmm. and I think that's so cool and so unique. I've never seen something like that on television before. Um, and funny enough, Donald Glover was also inspired by David Lynch. He said when he was creating Twin, uh, not Twin Peaks, <laughs> when he was creating Atlanta, he wanted to create the Twin Peaks for rappers. And oh, when you wow. watch the show, and if you've seen both shows, you can really see that. Like, Atlanta is such a unique environment. <laughs> Every episode, especially once you get to, like, the middle of the season of Atlanta, you really see that each episode is crafted around something different. Yeah. Like a different aspect of Atlanta. There's um, the episode of the talk show. Yeah. And then there's the club. And then there's the Juneteenth episode. And there's an episode about uh, the Justin Bieber. Um, it's just... He's another person I think of when I think of creativity. When you have a show and you just mess with the format of what television can be, I really love people like that. Aziz Ansari also does the same thing um, with Master of None. Um... Yeah, anyone who's really, really trying to fuck shit up, because I'm also trying to do that myself. I'm really trying to ask myself, like, what else can be done? Like, we have all these formats, we have all these genres, but what else can we do with them? Can we make a um, horror movie that's also really funny, but also very disturbing at the same time, that um, stars people of color? Can we do that? Yes, we can. We can do anything. Um, so, yeah, anyone who really, really asks themselves, can we do anything, and then they do that, is a huge inspiration to me. Um, the Leftovers is also a show that, uh, it's not, you know, a comedy by any means, but it's also a show that every episode would kind of change format a bit depending on who, which character they were following. Um, every season was different. The wires like that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just love stuff like that. Just constantly changing and asking yourself, what else can we do? And that leads us into your, your film title of, uh, Disruption. Yeah. So is there a reason, so you like challenging the status quo? Yeah. Um, what can you tell us about this movie, The Disruption? Disruption. Yeah. And like, what's the storyline? Anything you want to share? Absolutely. Um, you know, about it. I'd love to know. Absolutely. Well, the film is about a young man whose life essentially turns into a nightmare when he uh, gets this week-long uh, bout of diarrhea that uh, <laughs> it basically is like 
I like to refer to it as an allegory on the grind because you really see this character working hard and not taking care of himself and kind of doing things that are very ego-driven. Uh-huh. Um, and you see how that affects his body and his mind. Um, and that really, really comes from... A lot of people in our generation I do see very focused on that, very focused on the grind and stuff, and myself included. Like, uh, this week is a perfect example. I've, like, created this movie and I still don't follow my own advice sometimes. Just, like, doing too much, you know? When you come home and you are beyond tired, you're doing too much. Like, um, but our generation has always, you know, because the economy is shit and, um... We really have had to kind of dig ourselves out of the shit in a lot of ways. We are always grinding, always moving, always trying to do everything we can possible, which we end up doing more than what's actually possible. Um, There are some positive things about that, like grinding getting this movie done, but then... You know, sometimes when I was grinding before I wrote this movie, I would just get sick. And you can, my mom used to always say, you're doing too much, you're doing too much, you're doing too much, so you're sick. And I'd be like, no, mom, it's called There's Germs in the Air. And <laughs> um, you get sick because it's like a very scientific reason. But, you know, every time she was right, I would get sick and I'd be like, you know what? I was actually doing too much. Um, so I wanted to write a movie about that. And... Um, I wanted to write a movie that was also about something that everybody has experienced. Um, everybody shits. Um, if you're ever intimidated in a meeting, think about that. Uh, that everybody much. shits. It's a really good idea because everybody does this thing that people perceive as like disgusting, and, like really, uh, really gross and stuff. Um, I wanted to give the main character a problem that everyone can empathize with. Um, and as I was writing it, I saw a few movies that really influenced the style of the film, um, from a writing standpoint, and then, as I said, from a production, post-production standpoint, um, started to really lean into the horror aspect of it and kind of see, like, what it would be like if this movie was a horror for the main character, but a comedy for us, and, uh, playing around with that. And then, yeah, I would see all these horror movies, they'd be like, oh, they're so beautiful, they're so good, but, like, what if they were funny, too? What if they had the same texture? Like, I saw this movie called It Follows, and I was like, ah, oh, I want to make a movie with these textures and um, these tones and stuff like that. But I want it to be funny, because I don't think there's anything in life that happens without humor. Right. Um, like, at all. Um, except for, you know, th- there's a couple things, obviously, that are just not funny at all. Um, and that are, like, unforgivable. But I wouldn't say diarrhea is one of them. (laughs) Um, I think that there was just, like, a lot of opportunity for comedy there. But to also be, like, very real about things. So that was kind of the balance that was going on, the kind of juggling of, like, horror, comedy, and heart was kind of the juggle there. Um, And also the fact that I wanted to do a 30-minute film. So um, there's a lot to fit in and 30 minutes. And I didn't want it to feel like a short, per se. I really did want it to feel like a short film. This is a film that has three acts. It has everything that you would see in a normal film, but it's just shorter. Right. I feel like a lot of short films um, 
are taking like a chunk of a story um, and showing that to you. But this, I really wanted to feel like a full story in 30 minutes. And uh, hopefully I achieve how can people see the movie? How can they reach you? You got the Twitter, the IG. Yeah. You got Blogspot. Yeah. I follow. <laughs> Blogspot. I follow a lot. Um, my Instagram is probably my, mo my most active. Uh, my Instagram is at Desmond Thorne. And then there's also an Instagram for the film, which is very active, which is at the disruption underscore film. Um, and I really like Instagram as a way to share what's been inspiring me, what's beautiful around me. I don't really do a lot of selfies because, you know, it's not about me. This world is not about me. It's about so many other cool things that I want to share with people. Um, so I'd say those two are really popping. And then the movie itself will be at a lot of film festivals, hopefully. Um, no. The film will be at a lot of film festivals. There you go. Um, uh, most of those will be starting next year because a lot of the deadlines are coming up. And um, it'll also be online at some point um, on Vimeo. And you'll be able to find it on Vimeo.com slash Desmond Thorne. We have teasers up there now if you want to take a look at some teasers on the, of the film. Um, yeah, and if you want to watch the film, it'll be in a private link for a while because some festivals require that the video not be public because they want to sell tickets, you know, mm -hmm. which I get. And, um, but if anyone wants to watch the film uh, when it comes out, which should probably be around September 16th, um, just shoot me a message and I will send you the password to watch the film with a link. Um, and then it'll be out once it's completed the... Um, festival circuit, or I find that all the festivals that we wanted to submit to are fine with it being public, it'll be public on vimeo.com slash Desmond Thorne. Dope, Des. Yeah. Keep disrupting stuff. Thank you. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Thanks. That's it for this episode of The Creation Ground. I'm your host, Aaron Lloyd. Be sure to check out our Instagram for future and previous guest info, and check out our YouTube channel in the show notes below. Email us with any suggestions at thecreationgrounds at gmail.com. And if you got something out of this, I'd really appreciate if you spread the word and the love. Until next time, this is Aaron Lloyd telling you that the sky is the limit. Stay creative.